we believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not question him anymore. So in his response, notice this. The Sadducees reject the resurrection. They reject the totality of Scripture as it was entrusted to them. They're about, Caiaphas and Ananias, the dual high priest, they were Sadducees as well. They're about political, temporal, religious power. They're about the show and what you can have. Jesus said, the sons of this age marry and are given into marriage. He draws a distinction between eternity and time. Now, when Paul wrote the Corinthians, he said, concerning the resurrection, there's an earthly body and a celestial body. We have a temporal body for here, but when we go to heaven, we have a a glorified body for there. When Paul wrote the Colossians, he said, when Christ comes in his glory, it is not yet revealed what he will be like, but we will be what we will be like, but we will be with him in his glory, that we will have we will share in that glory. We'll get a glorified body like Jesus' glorified body. John, when he wrote 1 John, said the same thing in chapter 3, that we will be glorified with him in his glory. We are, after all, in the estate. Romans 8 tells us that when we give our life to Christ, we're adopted in his family, and we are joint heirs with Christ for the things of all eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. So this is a very good question. This is a very good point that he says that those who are counted worthy to attain, verse 35, but those, in contrast to the temporal, the eternal, the, the eternal age, but those who are counted worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Now, we know in heaven there is no marriage in that sense. You think, ah, oh, doggone it. I love being married. Okay, well, yeah, but... Marriage has a lesson in time, space, and matter, but it has a purpose for all eternity. And truly, we're married to Christ in eternity. I mean, literally, the Bible tells us that he's the groom and we're the bride. So we understand that the church is the bride and and Jesus is the head of the church. But in our glorified bodies, the things that we understand with the, in our temporal bodies, we're not, we, we can't understand this side of eternity, what the glorified bodies are like, or how we are in our completion in that. That's why God says it is that it's not entered our mind. We can't speak or understand those great things that God's prepared for us that when we enter into an eternity, it's received by faith. When we have our glorified bodies in heaven, those of you that put your trust in Jesus Christ, when we have our glorified bodies in heaven, those bodies are not uh, relevant to marriage and the reproduction of the human race. I believe we will know everybody in heaven. It stands to reason. But you know, in heaven, there's no sorrow, right? There's no more tears or sorrow. So these bodies will give us sorrow. The human experience will give us sorrow. 
Eternity is the completion of all things, and there's no more sorrow. You know, it's interesting when Adam and Eve fell into sin, they were warned that it would cause sorrow. And sin always causes sorrow in the full course of its existence. Sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death, and sin kills everything. Sin always causes sorrow. It has a passing pleasure, but in the end, its consequences produces sorrow. And to deal with sin, back in Genesis chapter 3, there was the animal sacrifice, the substitutionary sacrifice, where God covered the sin of Adam and Eve with the propitiation, the sacrifice of another accounted to them. But that that sacrifice was never enough is evident in that animal sacrifices increased throughout the Old Testament. They did not decrease. And the understanding of the blood of one living being for another one's sins is there right from Abel bringing the offering in Genesis 4 for his sin. It was passed on from his father and mother that when you come to God and you're a sinner, there, there needs to be a sacrifice. So he brought a lamb from his flock. There was shed blood and he understood that concept. And the fact that the high priest, thousands of years later, with God making the covenant with Israel, that they died and another one replaced them, that there had to be more sacrifices and endless sacrifices, it affirmed what the New Testament says, that the blood of bulls and goats could never put away sin once for all. And what that tells us is that to be worthy in the next age, you cannot be worthy through human efforts. Because those ongoing animal sacrifices, they speak of human efforts to save ourselves. When I went to see Willy Wonka last night with the Dean girls in the play, Stephanie Dean's the lead in the play. She is fantastic as Willy Wonka. And you get your program, and they, they, it's with the Orange County, uh, Orange County kids. It's a fantastic performance at Huntington High School. But in the program, they put something there in the program, and... Uh, 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 Natalie is uh, the younger sister is Veruca, the one who turns into Blueberry and Willy Wonka. They both put Bible verses in their little profile, which is really cool. I'm like, you know, it makes you happy when you show up as a pastor and you see Bible verses. But they put Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, which is by works, no one has been saved. By grace you've been saved, not through works. It is a gift of God through faith. And I thought, there is the gospel. There is the gospel coming from the Dean girls in the program for the Willy Wonka performance. There is the gospel. And there is the answer for who is worthy to be resurrected in that age. There's a first resurrection. The identity is with Christ. And that's with the glorified bodies. But there's a later one, which is associated with the second death, which are those who are cast into the lake of fire and cast out of God's presence for all eternity. That the Bible teaches eternal existence of all human beings is without a doubt. We all live eternally, either in glory with the Lord or in darkness separated from the Lord. That is an absolute clear doctrine of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. The accountability and justification or condemnation. And when Jesus said those who are counted worthy to attain that age, we need to ask ourselves as a church, at a church service tonight, that's the question of the night, isn't it? How am I worthy of that age? Shouldn't we ask ourselves that? How am I worthy of that age? How am I worthy? I want to be in heaven with the Lord. How am I going to get to heaven? How am I know that I'm worthy? Well, I can't be worthy through animal sacrifices 
and good works because it just goes on and on and on and there's no completion of it. I can never be assured. World religions, apart from Christ, that try and, you know, esteem for heaven, they never have assurance that they're going to heaven because there's no way to know they're worthy because they're works-based. It's the efforts of a person to be good to go to heaven and you can never know you're good enough and so you can never be assured that you're going to heaven. But the gospel's not like that. Like Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 by grace we've been saved, that through faith, not of works. So the very thing that kept the Sadducees from the resurrection, their unbelief, is the very thing that gets us into heaven and glory, is our belief and our faith in Jesus Christ. And aren't you glad that we're saved by faith in Jesus Christ and we can be assured of being worthy to get to heaven and be a part of that age? And it's not based upon you being good today or being good tomorrow. It's based upon Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did by dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the grave for our justification. Aren't you, like, let's pause for a minute. Aren't you glad that's the gospel? By grace you have been saved, that through faith. But it's faith in Jesus Christ who's the author and finisher of our faith. It is God who solved the world that he gave his own begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish would have everlasting life. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. When we have these communion elements here tonight, they speak to us of that grace. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread and said, this is my body given for you. No more bulls and goats. No more Abel bringing the sheep. No more the farmer bringing the ox or the goats. This is my body, which is given for you. He took the cup on the night of the, they celebrated the Passover lamb, who in the Old Testament was the sacrificial lamb in the place of their sins. He replaces the Passover feast. And the New Testament tells us Christ is our Passover. He said, this is my blood shed for you. This cup represents that. This is our worthiness at this table tonight, worship generation. This bread and this cup tells us and reminds us that by grace we've been saved, that through faith it is not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Those counted worthy in that age, in that time, we are counted worthy to be in the kingdom age because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And the sin which causes sorrow in time, space, and matter for all people, including Sadducees and their bad theology, that sin no longer exists in eternity in our glorified bodies in the age of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's why in in heaven there is no more tears or sorrow because the effects of sin have no impact in the new heaven, in the new earth. We have glorified bodies. And even Jesus said there in verse 37 that when he when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, he referred to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the present tense. Now, when Moses was being spoken to, it's about 1500 BC, but um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived about 2000 BC. So they had been in the grave for like 500 years, but they're not in the grave. They're not past tense, they're present tense. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jesus uses the scriptures to show the Sadducees how they're mistaken and they don't know the scriptures. But they don't know the power of the resurrection, nor do they really want to. 
Isn't it interesting when Jesus stood before Pilate, or when he stood before the religious accusers, and they, you know, they crucified him because he claimed to be God. He said, you will no longer see me until you see me at the right hand of the power. Referring to the Father and that he's at the right hand. God is the God of the living, not of the dead, and all live to him, verse 38. We're all accountable to the Lord. There's nothing made that wasn't made by Christ for him and in him, and we all consist through him. Our very breath is in his hands, whether we choose to live for him or not. Today, 300,000 people are stepping into eternity all over this planet. They're leaving time, space, and matter and stepping into eternity. Their breath is leaving them, and the breath that they had was a gift from God for them in this journey we call life. Now, the last thing we see here tonight, so we see the folly of liberal theology that denies the scripture, and we know it's earth-based, so be wary of it. We see that the worthiness to be part of that age is through faith in Jesus Christ. It is faith in him that, you know, gets us there. In fact, just one final thought on that. I quoted Romans earlier, uh, Romans wrote, but also, of course, in Romans 10, it says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So this is so crucial because you're going to face the grave. You're going to face the grave. You're going to face the grave. We're all going to face the grave. And when we face the grave that day, whether you're 10 years old or 100 years old, you're going to need all the faith you have. And it's the triumph moment of your faith. Do you realize, worship generation, when you step into eternity, that last breath, when you're leaving time, space, and matter for eternity, that is the crown jewel moment of your faith. God has guaranteed that everything you believe, including this night in this place, that everything you believe will be proven on that last breath when he comes for you in glory to bring you into glory because you put your faith and trust in him. And like the thief on the cross, he would say to us, today you will be with me in paradise. And he said to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation that he would give us paradise using the same description. And Paul, when he was caught up in heaven, he described it as paradise as being indescribable. We will breathe our last breath, those followers of Christ, in time, space, and matter, and it'll be the greatest moment we've ever had in time. It'll be the crown jewel of your faith, that last moment when you breathe your last and Jesus is coming for you. I just read Stephen's uh, death in my devotion the other morning and everyone's throwing rocks at him. He's like, I see him standing at the right hand. I see him. Like, that's how it works. God has maintained that your greatest moment. See, my greatest moment as a surfer was 1984, winning the Pipe Masters. I hope my greatest moment as a pastor is in front of me, but who can say what that is? But I know my greatest moment as a disciple of Jesus Christ will be when I breathe my last and say, Lord Jesus, into your hands I commit my spirit. And amen and amen. And the church of Jesus Christ says, amen. That's our greatest moment. We are counted worthy because of who he is, what he's done, and when we believe in him, that righteousness that's his is imputed or given to us, and it's reckoned to our account. His righteousness is our righteousness. Not only did he die on the cross in place for our sins, but he gives us his righteousness in place of ours, which is as filthy rags as Isaiah the prophet said. So that's how we're counted worthy. But we still have the matter of the Lord. We read on and close out the text tonight. Verse 41. No one dared ask him a question in verse 40, but he said to them in verse 41, so how can they say that the Christ is the son of David? Now David himself said in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, now he's quoting Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David calls him Lord. How then is his son? 
And then in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at the feast, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. So no one's questioning Jesus anymore. And he makes this statement about who he is and the authority that he has. And he gives one final warning about those who are playing religion and misrepresenting God, who are just about the temporal and not the eternal, that they actually have a greater condemnation. So yet again, false teachers have a greater condemnation. And people who lead people astray, you know, legally, just a little footnote, this is worth saying. Uh, Pastors legally and ministers are held to a higher accountable by the law. Did you know that? Yeah. The law holds us accountable because for people like you and I, we look up to pastors and, or, or ministers or rabbis in religious institutions, and people see them as a representative of God. So if they violate the trust of the people as a representative of God, they can have uh, criminal charges and civil charges brought against them. So if you go to a pastor for marriage counseling and he steals your wife from you, you can bring civil charges against him and he's held to hire an account by the laws of the land because he's supposed to be representing God, not stealing someone's wife. Do you follow me? That's the condemnation Jesus is giving here. He's saying these people, they go about like this and for a pretense do that, but they steal people's money. He's, he's throwing it down. Make no mistake. He's throwing it down hard on religious hypocrites in positions of power who misrepresent God and abuse those positions to stumble people. So we'll just make that clear right now. But what the real issue is, who is the Lord? Now stay with me. Last thought before we get to communion. A thousand years before Christ came, King David, who defeated Goliath, the man who had a heart for God, he wrote Psalm 110. And he said, the Lord, that's God, said to my Lord, sit at uh, my right hand till I make your enemies your footstools. Now, God made a promise to David that one of his sons would be the kingdom, the king whose kingdom never ended, right? So that's why everyone said Jesus has to come from David. A thousand years later, he's a descendant of David. He's a descendant of David through Mary, by the way, through the virgin birth. Uh, Mary is actually, his birth mom is a descendant of David. That genealogy is for us in Luke's gospel, okay? But that, so the question is, the, the father's always greater than the son, in the order of the Jewish culture and in most cultures. Like, you respect your father. Like, yo, dad. Like, you don't talk to your dad. My brother and my dad got in a fist fight one time when I was about 13 and my brother was like 16. And my brother had long hippie hair, 70s. My dad was still a Marine, you know. It was kind of escalated. Went in the backyard. They were chucking haymakers. Dad won, brother lost. And I said, note to self, don't ever get in a fight with Pop. And I never did. You know what I'm saying? He's like, wow, he just whooped my brother, kid. You know, it's like, hey, I... My dad survived the Korean War and the Vietnam War, and he didn't do that. You're like, I'm not, I don't know. Don't ever get in a fight with dad, you know. And so, but um, there's that, you're supposed to honor your father and your mother. So normally, like, the father leaves an inheritance for the son, right? This is the order that you would have in a society. So how could David call his son superior to him? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand to make your enemies your footstool. In other words, David prophesied, that his son would be greater than him, which is a reverse order. So, David, so Jesus says, so, you guys, how does David say this? Like, what's the meaning behind that? How does he say that? Like, how do we apply that? How does David call him Lord if he is his son? 
Well, because that descendant of David is none other than God, the son of God. That descendant is the good shepherd that David wrote about in Psalm 23, who Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the the good shepherd that lays down my life for the sheep. That's how. The offspring of David through Mary, through the virgin birth, is God, the son of God. See, right here, Jesus is proclaiming in this audience that he is the Lord. And he is the Lord of all. Now, if there's any question about this, like he said, you won't see me again until you see me at the right hand of the power. But in Revelation 19, when he comes to establish the kingdom, what's it say? King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is the Lord of everything. The Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. And those of us, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are put in what's known as the Lamb's Book of Life. We're, we're, we're in there. We're in the Book of Life. If you travel abroad in recent years and you come back in the United States and you come through Tom Bradley Terminal or anywhere else, like Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, you have the new thing where it just you, you go right to the thing, it takes your picture, and you're in the system, you, you slide your passport, and you go to immigration, and they let you in because you're a citizen of the United States. Now, non-citizens get in a different line. They have a different process. But if you're an American citizen coming home from abroad, you, the passport, it's so easy now, but it takes a picture of you. You're like, you're always tired. Like, uh, and then you present that picture to the immigration people, and there you are. Welcome home, immigration, okay? Well, in heaven, it's the Lamb's Book of Life. We get to heaven, and it's like being a citizen, of heaven, because we are citizens of heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. So they're synonymous. If you're a citizen of heaven through faith in Jesus Christ, you're in the Lamb's Book of Life. So there you are. Welcome home. And I tell you, there's no customs, right? Because you're not bringing anything baggage. There's no baggage coming with you. Leave it all behind. It's just immigration, and you're in. It's the kingdom. But for those who are not with faith in Jesus Christ, in Revelation 20, we're told that the books are opened. Oh, that's a different line. And that's a different destiny. The books are opened. And Jesus said the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Do you realize every person who's ever uses the Lord's name in vain? They're going to give an account. They're going to see the replays on it. They are going to see the replays. Do you understand that every non-believer, every person who rejects Christ, like the Sadducees, every person who rejects, rejects Jesus Christ is going to stand before him and they're not going to be rejoicing and getting rewards like we are when we stand before him and give an account for our life because it's an account for a, war, for a reward uh, of the things we let him do in our life. That's what's for the Lamb's Book of Life. But for the people who rejected Christ, the books are open and they're books of unbelief and they're books of rebellion. And before they were removed from his presence and cast into outer darkness, they're going to bow the knee and they're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, we confess now that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We receive Christ, we bow the knee, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lamb's book of life, citizenship in heaven, ambassadors of Christ, pass from death to life, anyone being Christ or a new creation. That's us when we trust in Jesus and we are counted worthy of that age by our faith in him and who he is and what he's done, the gospel message. We get it all. But when people reject Christ like the Sadducees, and they twist the scriptures to their own destruction, and they reject the gospel, they're going to give an account. And in the end, we're going to a kingdom that's light and life, with no sorrow, 
Jesus said that those who reject him go to a place that was made for the devil and his fallen angels. And it is a place of outer darkness, of weeping and eternal torment. That's what Jesus said. And I believe it. Because the cross is hell. And the cross shows us how far God will go to keep us from hell. It shows us how great his love is. That was the wrath of God on the Son. That there's only two ways to deal with God's wrath. Jesus did it for us or we face it for ourselves. We pass from death to life through faith in Jesus Christ because he was done for us. No wonder it's amazing grace. We're counted worthy through faith in Jesus Christ and its grace. So we come to this table tonight and we partake with humility. We bow the knee with gratitude and reverence. We confess our sins if need be. We receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit for the things of the week. We're reminded that his kingdom is a glorious kingdom. Jesus said, you'll drink this cup anew in my Father's kingdom. It, it, this, this, this bread and cup, they speak to us of everything. What he's done for us in grace, what he's doing for us by his spirit, and what he's promised for us in the kingdom age for those that are worthy. And as we come to this table tonight through faith in Jesus Christ, we're declared worthy not because we had a good week, but because we have a great Savior that we trust in. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.